0: Episode 54 with Greg Shannon, really had a lot of fun in this one, a lot of laughs, and Greg is a fantastic guy. Uh, Great radio personality, uh, based now out of Edmonton with CFCW, and we talk about his whole career. Also, my co-host, Mr. Brian Edwards, joins me again, uh, and I had a great time. Don't forget, uh, our sponsors are Morning Buzz Coffee Company. It's a Hamilton based small batch coffee company. They specialize in fair trade organic coffees. The owners are are musicians and I love that of course. You can check them out at morningbuzzcoffee.buzz on the internet. It's not just your morning coffee, it's your morning buzz. So make sure you check that out. Also Music City Canada. Uh, Music City Canada is one of your one stop music shops based out of London, Ontario. I buy most of my equipment from them, anything from recording gear to drums to guitars to PAs, and they do installs and rentals, they do everything. Uh, They have a great online presence. You can buy online, they'll ship to you, uh, musiccitycanada.com, make sure you check them out. Lastly, uh, but not least, is uh, My Grandfather's Fiddle. One of a kind, custom t-shirts. Really treat those you love to the memory of a lifetime. Basically, you just go to their site, mygrandfathersfiddle.com, check out what they do. Um, it's kind of an idea where you, if you had an old instrument around, maybe belonged to your uh, grandfather or grandparents or your dad or your mom, um, all you have to do is select the instrument that's important to you, take a picture of it, uh, you upload that picture and, uh, they will produce a fantastic t-shirt and memory of uh, that person and that instrument. So, uh, once again, check them out, mygrandfathersfiddle.com. All right, sit back, relax, enjoy Greg Shannon. Okay, we are rolling with Greg Shannon. How are you doing, Greg? Uh, out in Edmonton this morning where it's nice and a balmy 30 Celsius. Just coming yeah, from a- suntanning and...
1: Minus two with the wind chill, it's like uh, minus 12 and change or something. So, yeah, not really used to it. Not not really ready for it, that's for sure. Yeah, it's
2: mm-hmm. pretty
0: early. So, nice to have you on, of course. Uh, over to my other side, co-host today, Mr. Brian Edwards. How are you doing, Brian?
2: Good to see you again, Greg. You yeah. never change a bit, buddy. You look exactly the same. Good, yeah. Good man. Yeah,
1: except for, you know, happened to Dick Clark and just like that, it was all over. So, uh, you know, it's going to be my last interview. We don't know.
0: Well, it's, uh, I'm, glad
1: you, I'm glad it's going to be with us. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, you guys.
0: Yeah. I'd love to have you. we have been wanting to have you on a guest for a little while, and we made it happen. I know you've been busy uh, at work, and you're doing some renovations now, too, you were saying. So you've been a busy guy.
1: Oh, my God. Try and find a handy guy these days. Like, they say the economy stalled out and everything. You can't find a contractor that will come. And do a gig for you right now, especially if it's a smaller type job. I think complete home renos for sure. But they don't want to toy with me and my uh, bathroom problems. And I'm telling you, I, I got a plumber in there uh, last week and my wife had just painted the bathroom and we were replacing the tub and the stuff. And I said, when the boys were carrying the tub up the stairs, I said, if you scratch the paint, you own the house. That's what my wife says. It's all mortgage payments going to you. And so then he goes, well, I got good news and bad news. When I came back there a few hours later, he said, we didn't scratch the paint per se, but uh, we had to cut out a chunk of drywall <laughs> to get the top there. I'm going, oh, my God. And he goes, and, and to be honest, I don't think I have time to finish this. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, I got, yeah, my bathroom's in shambles, man. Good oh,
0: yeah, I'm going through the same thing. I'm doing some renovations uh here and I, luckily I found a couple guys that were yeah. doing a work at uh, my neighbors and they came over doing some stuff, but trying to get other trades in like I need to get a wood stove pipe put in. And this yeah. nobody calls you back. They just and the one lady called me back. Said, yeah, um he can come out December the 15th.
1: Ooh, and it's like, nice.
0: wow, that early, I said. I don't really need you till next year. <laughs> it's like, wow, two months. That's fantastic. But,
1: and they, I know about the ghosting too, because I had a plumber and he did work at my other house there lots of times and real nice guy and everything. He did two little things for me at this rental house and then uh, stopped calling me back. Just stopped calling all communications. So I had to go find another plumber and I paid him. He transferred like within two days after him finishing each gig I paid him right away, and I'm sure um, that's an anomaly. I'm sure people are invoicing 30 days out, yeah. but I paid him to keep on top of it. And now I <laughs> have to find another guy, which is the guy that you know left it half the- undone and said he had to go now. So my mm. aching head. I, this is why I drink, boys.
0: <laughs> I see that in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> is that really, Tim? <laughs>
1: it's my special morning elixir.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you do uh, the morning uh, show on CFCW, a co-host, and uh, so you start at, is it 6, 6 to 10?
1: Yeah, we're on the air 6 till 10, and uh, so I get out of bed about 3.15, 3.30-ish, 3. and uh, yeah, head to the station and open things up here. I like it in a way because I'm the first on the scene, first to see the day besides some really hardworking people city employees that are out there clearing roads and that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's it. I don't think it's lonely or anything. Like I, I get to be a first part of this day and see what's going on. The downside, of course, is I'm getting out of bed in the middle of the night, and it wreaks havoc on your system after a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because you don't really get used to it, do you? I mean, it just becomes Yeah, havid, I don't. But...
1: Uh, and I know guys who get up way earlier than me and have – Split shifts and everything like I'm pretty blessed with being able to you know I just got the one gig I do side hustles like everybody else as much as I can to to keep money rolling in, but this my primary gig i don't it's not a split shift with the exception of doing a remote now and then or whatever you know,
0: yeah exactly, so radio business nowadays um how much has it changed since say the nineties and and that it's gotta be. A way different thing than it used to be back in the. Would you say the '90s were really the the strong point of of you know regular uh, radio before satellite and all that stuff came in? Um,
1: you know, it's interesting because in the '90s I was in non traditional radio in 1993. I answered an ad in the Record and uh, Magazine there, and it said wanted quick footed personality with love of country music, and it was just a blind box ad, and I had just came back from I, I was in medicine hat then i took a gig in calgary at the fox and they flipped the fox to beautiful music overnight after about i was there for about nine months and so i phoned my old boss jay hitchin in medicine hat begged him to take me back so he brought me back for apd and music director and i started doing a gag that i saw in r magazine some disc jockey in south dakota or something did this thing and he he had a suit, a superhero suit made, and he was Donut Man. So I threw this on the air, and this old lady made me a Donut Man costume, like red satin silk shorts. Everything else was yellow, yellow cape, and then it had an emblem that said RDM, Robin's Donuts Man. And my gig was I'd ask him the fax at that time. They'd fax in, and, and can Robin's Donuts Man make your day? And I would have to. At Monarch Broadcasting back in the day at CHAT, they had a dress code. So I'd go into the radio station about 9 o'clock in the morning, and I'd do my busy work, my music stuff, my show prep. And then I'd have to take off my shirt, my tie, my dress pants, drop trowel in the station, usually in the music room in a corner, and then put on this get-up. And then I'd take the station van to Robin's Donuts in costume, go in there, grab the donuts, and take them to the business. I'm Donuts Man, here to make your day kind of thing, and <laughs> so my very first mission was at the CIBC bank, and I didn't put two and two together, but I came in with a mask on, and yelling a, something weird, and the manager of the bank almost hit the button, and he directly called my GM at the time, right after I left, and I got hauled into the office, and I said, what's going on, man? What are you trying to do? <laughs> and that was, that was the debut of Donut Man. But anyway, I took a picture of myself with the cape billowing in the wind next to robin's donuts and i sent this in along with an air check for my afternoon show in medicine hat that is blind box ad and uh i had only been back in the hat for maybe three and a half months and i get this response like the phone rings a couple of weeks later and the guys uh, yeah we saw your audition tape or heard your audition tape and we figure anybody who dresses up in his getup must be somebody we want to talk to. So I'm on a plane to Toronto and I'd never been on a plane and I'd never been to Toronto. (laughs) So (laughs) big day, big day for me. And uh, I went and I did this audition downtown in Toronto on the Esplanade in this studio where Shirley Solomon used to do her talk show. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically there was a television director and, the, the whole bleacher seating area was dark, blacked out, so you couldn't really see, but I could see silhouettes of a few human beings in there. And he made me wear an IFB earpiece, and he just, I, I was getting instructions from a control room and from this director, Rick Price, who was standing right in front of me. And he said, okay, I want you to read this passage from Shakespeare. And uh, I said, okay. And so I just, you know, I was just like, to me or not to me. And I like went over the top on everything. And then in the middle of it, he goes, okay, go back three pages, read the second line down, do this, do that. And then he throws a roll of duct tape at me. So I catch the duct tape out of the corner of my eye. I put it through my legs and I throw it back to him. And then I keep reading. And then I had to do a mock interview with Dolly Parton. And uh, this was on a phone call from Calgary. So I'm on a stool in the middle of this stage with hot lights And I'm just, I got a phone next to me and I'm just doing this fake phone interview. And after the audition, I don't know, it took about 25, 30 minutes. And the guy said, uh, do you need anything? Do you want anything? That's it. We're done with you. And and do you have to go to the bathroom? And I said, no, I already went. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I went back to the Novotel the Novatel hotel was right across the street. And I lied there and I, I went to sleep that night and caught my plane the next morning. I just had no idea what just happened. And I get back to medicine hat and it was a torturous two week wait before they called. And all of a sudden they sent this package via courier and it was called Craven Eight today's country. And this promo pack was so impressive and it was said, you know, Garth Brooks, this, that, you know, country music, new country's the wave, and we're going to be across Canada and everything. So I'm going, wow, this is, and this must be a mistake. They want me as the host. So anyway, I got to give my notice to my poor boss, Jay, after he rehires me and I've been there for three and a half months. So I left him in the lurch, gave my two weeks and, and was out of there. And I go to this show in Toronto and I get there and there really is no show there <laughs> we went to a pub an irish pub or or uh, no it was a sherlock holmes or something right across the street from my hotel on the esplanade yeah. and we planned out this program this radio show it was a nationally syndicated show on a napkin format wise what's going to happen first how many songs we plan and it turned into this five and a half year journey sponsored by craven a cigarettes so it was a couple million dollar a year budget we had advertising billboards across Canada. We ended up with 86 affiliate stations at the end. Um, And it was just, I got to go to Nashville every year to do other interviews. We won four New York festival awards, got to go to New York city and cruise the Hudson Harbor and uh, get awards while we're drunk on scotch. It was (laughs) perfect. (laughs) Not a point.
0: (laughs) As we are now. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, nothing's changed except for yeah. the beautiful views
0: there we go well that's pretty awesome so l- let's go back even further um where were you born
1: uh i grew up on a farm born in saskatoon at the city hospital and our farm was a mile and a quarter west of the concordia club on Lorne avenue so basically it was the Saskatoon Golf and Country Club, the exhibition grounds, and then our land was right there along the Beaver Creek Highway. So I always call myself a hybrid redneck because I was five minutes to 8th Street, but I had two and a quarter sections of farm to grow up on, and all the boys would meet me when we were teenagers and had our licenses. We would meet up at my farm, and the guys would distract mom, talk her ear off while we would transfer the cases of beer for the party into my trunk of my car, and then off to the party. So it was, uh, it was quite the upbringing, man. I, my, you know, it's sometimes I have four children and, and I really wish I would have been able to give them some type of farm acreage, uh, you know, upbringing like I had, because it was, it was pretty awesome.
0: I bet that land, uh, w- would be nice to have that land now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Big L did okay for his retirement. That's for sure. He, he passed away in 2014, but, uh, he was able, and mom just passed away this year, so he was able to tie the way enough money to keep mom in a, in a first class dementia facility. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of good things about that farm and it was in the farm for generations. And yeah. I think I went to ag college before I got into radio. I went to oh, yeah. Lakeland College and uh, I was supposed to be the heir to the dynasty and I'm not a very good farmer, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, a mediocre radio guy and a really poor, poor farmer.
0: So did you had that pressure when you were young that you, you thought you had to take over the farm and, and be that guy? Or did you have in the back of your mind, okay, I really, really want to do this? Was, was there something else you really wanted to do?
1: I think we all, you know, all of us feel the pressure of what our families do and if it's a family business. Uh, and I think I put more pressure on myself than dad ever did. It was all perceived pressure when you look back. But I, uh, I just, I love certain things about the farm, but you know, there's a lot of things that you can't control. And I saw it frustrated my dad and uh, it, it wasn't for me. I just wasn't, I couldn't fix anything. I'm not a mechanic or a carpenter or anything. And you have to be the whole package to run a, a farm of any type. And I just didn't have it. And I knew I didn't have it. And I also knew, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew what i liked and i loved television i loved vaudeville right from the vaudeville days to to laugh in to uh you name it donia marie dean martin uh you know those those were the things i gravitated towards and i was really into television and movies and acting i as a nerd kid when i was like pre-teens i still got them i got scrapbooks where i cut out the movies posters from the saskatoon star phoenix and glue them into a book <laughs> And when I go to the movies, I rip all the ads out of the the glossy magazine there and put them into another more specialer book. And, uh, so I, it was really television that I kind of thought that I would go into. And after ag college, I got home and I graduated. And now the pressure was kind of on because I had, you know, spent this money and gone to college and actually graduated, which was touch and go. Um, but then, my buddy from high school, Brian Tampke used to come to my driveway and we sit in the driveway and crack a beer and listen to his air check tapes from his broadcasting college that he was going to called Western Academy broadcast college, which is pretty prevalent. A lot of major broadcasters in Canada have, have gone through Don Scott's program there. And uh, it was great. And uh, I said, I think I can do that. And so I signed up for the next semester of WABC and I fell into it. I got a three and a half month practicum in St. Paul, Alberta, worked for free. And then I begged them to hire me. And JB Cartwright, I had zero talent, n- nothing whatsoever, couldn't even form a sentence on the radio. And JB took, he saw some work ethic in me and saw something in me. So he hired me for $900 a month. And the legend begins. That was
2: 1989. Wow. Wow. Yeah. For you. Yes. Yeah.
0: That's a long journey. That's uh, it's neat how, you know, you can you can just grow up and on a farm in Saskatchewan, and and all yeah. of a sudden your life just kind of veers off this way. And um, but your life experiences probably had a lot to do with you know knowing, especially now with country music and having that history. Did, was country music a big part of your household uh, growing up? You
1: know- yeah, CJWW was the hometown station, and it was always on in the background, but we also had a station called CFQC, and Wall and Den were the morning team there, and they were awesome. They had the fun jingles, and they were just real cut-ups. And then, of course, Don Scott was also on the air when I was a kid at CKOM before he did his broadcast school, and Don would say things like, yeah, you know, I just, just got in from Vegas. I was partying with uh, Wayne Newton all weekend, and I'm going <laughs> – parties with Wayne Newton. This is amazing. And it was all BS, but you know, the delivery was just perfect. And I'm going, you know, he just lies for a living. I love this guy. And, uh, and that's what I kind of fell in love with is the creative storytelling. And I, I be honest with you, this is 30, whatever years doing this. And I still have this far to go to be able to tell a story better. You know, it's just, I'm not good at it. I've, it's never been my forte. I can tell little bits and pieces, but to articulate a really weaving story properly like a stand-up comedian would, I haven't cracked that yet. And so that's, I guess, what keeps me waking up every day to see if I can do it tomorrow, you know?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's something that you have to, to keep doing all the time. It's like the comedians, they say they have to just keep you know, going into little clubs and, and doing the routines over and over and over and, and perfecting. And well, perfecting. the
1: difference is, too, we all know lots of stand-ups who are hardworking guys who really got hit by this pandemic and, you know, yeah. thinking about them all the time. And it's They write one routine and then they stand in front of that mirror and rehearse that with every nuance and every, you know, circle back thread and bit. And they can make it absolutely perfect. With live radio, we don't do that. I could write a whole show the day before, but they pay me okay, but I don't think they pay me that much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so really, uh, the thing is lots of bits they hit, lots of bits we miss, and then we just go – We, I, I think the the advantage of experience and having so many years behind the mic is I don't beat myself up as much anymore. I just go, you know what? I got another shot to open the mic in, in uh, three minutes, so I better get my crap together for the next break. Yeah. because and when I was a kid I taped every single word I that came out of my mouth on cassette every single show and I'd listen to every show break by break by break and it was painful and I did that on my drive home and my little cassette player in the car and whatever and I thought you know I should just quit <laughs> I'm like horrible at this and then I'd listen to the air checks that I'd send away from or or send away for or get from buddies of Scott Shannon at Z100 New York, or Rick D's, or any of the legends, the Grease Man, and everything. And I go, well, I'll keep trying, I guess, because <laughs> these guys are awesome, you know.
0: Well, that's what makes you good, right? I mean, those yeah. that time where you, you you take that effort to listen to it's, it's no different than a musician or a stand-up comedian, where they're they've done a set and you listen to it on the way back, you got to really make sure you go over everything. Oh gosh, I can do better than that. I can do better. Right. And what make, I always think what makes someone good is that they're never happy with just what they just did. There's always room to make it better. Um, If
1: that's the case, then I am the greatest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I am never, never happy. And uh, you can ask any of my co-hosts, current or previous, but uh, I think, yeah, I think, just lately with the pandemic and all that kind of stuff and and things that have happened in my family. And it kind of shifts your perspective when you're a bit older and you have a few miles on you and you realize, you know what, it's a privilege to sit here and have people's ear and time in the morning and don't get so wound up over it. Just do the best you can. They all, what I think has made me get this far is just an affable personality. And I learned to listen. You know, and that's basically, I don't think you have to have extraordinary talent, but you have to have something. You have to have some intangible that people want to listen to. I don't have a great deep radio voice or anything, but people enjoy how they feel when we're on the air talking to them. It's not how much we, about what we say, it's how we say it, I I think.
2: Do you find things a lot more regimented today than they used to be when you're doing the small town gig where you can do whatever you want, when you wanted, you play what you wanted, when you want? Do you like this new system where everything kind of drops in front of you and you just push a button and go? Or did you like the old days of queuing up the record and doing whatever, or queuing up the CD, I suppose it would have been?
1: Uh, well, actually, uh, when I started, there was records and, and carts. And, uh, you know, it was, it was an adventure to try and figure that all out. But it was fun and it was fast paced, and now it's fast paced just in a different way. And I, my whole career has been built on the Box Pro or the Burly software that records the phone calls because I, like I said, I can't articulate a thought very well, but I, I'm a pretty good editor and I can shape the bit with the edit to make it entertaining. And I can choose when I'm going to pop it in and I can craft the whole experience. And I have all kinds of drops I've collected with. You know, so a Monday can feel like a Monday and a Tuesday feels like a Tuesday. And that's what we do is try and fit the show to the mood of the day. With, with, and if there's sadness in the air, then we take a turn and we, we go a little gentler. And, but we find, I've always gone, you know, what is my purpose? What kind of show I'm not as good at doing this as this guy or that guy? I think they come to us to have a quick laugh and hear a good record and yeah. just smile a little bit and during this pandemic with a station like cfcw which is 66 years old it's alberta's country legend and our tsl is monstrous our time spent listing is through the roof so people are with us all day long and uh it, that's a tremendous responsibility that none of us take lightly here and uh we just you know if if we don't do do so well in the morning show, they know that Jackie will pick up the slack in the midday or AJ is going to kill it in the afternoon. They're patient with us. And if they don't like something we said, they know the next time we crack the mic, we're probably going to crack them up or give them some information that they
2: can use for the day for sure.
0: What's it like nowadays with, you know, everyone's a little sensitive about everything. Um, Yeah. You have to watch what you say and how you say it and who you say it to is that on your mind a lot when you're on the air nowadays? Um, or you, do you just kind of let it go like like normal?
1: You know, every professional in the broadcast and entertainment industry is cognizant of all that. It's like a minefield. And, you know, you got local political figures. You have national political figures. You have, you know, uh, races, creeds, different sensibilities. And you, you have to be cognizant of all of that. And we are all the time. And it's more important what we're not saying as as it is what we are saying. We're just trying not to offend anybody, not to be crass, and not to ruin. I know if somebody says something untoward to me, whether it's a minor comment or not, it makes me feel bad all day. I don't want people to feel bad. I've done that enough in my youth when I was so focused on being this radio guy that I would say whatever and be flippant. And whatever, and I, I'm sure I offended countless people because of that. And now we're very sensitive of that. We're actually experts in that field, to be honest with you, because if we weren't, we wouldn't be having this interview. I would have been fired, you know, and and wouldn't be able to make my living. Can you just pause for a
2: Yep. <laughs>
1: I'm going to put the news on. <laughs> Hang on. What yeah. time is it? It's, uh, oh, yeah, we're good. We got 12 minutes. Okay. Which is like a <laughs> lifetime in radio.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so starting out uh, in the early days, you must have a couple – Neat stories of things that went south uh, on the air. Or, uh, you know, uh, there's always got to be some great stories there. Do you have anything that kind of pops out from the early oh, days? Oh,
1: man. Yeah. Oh, geez. That's a tough one, put me on the spot. Lots of things come to mind, but uh, I'm not sure how many I want to share. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pick the worst one and just tell that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me think. Let me think. Let's circle back to that question. Let's go to something else. All
0: right. Next question. Is there anything now that you regret? (laughs) (laughs) You've done the last six months. (laughs)
1: Oh man. Well, I mean, I think COVID is getting to all of us and, uh, I'm a high strung individual. Like I am always, I'm a list guy. I got to have stuff. I'm a bit OCD, much less than I used to be. But, uh, I was just at the gas station on Friday before we headed to Calgary and we got a couple of snacks stuff because we're going to be in the hotel room to watch this socially distanced concert. Yeah. My wife and I, so we go to the Safeway, get our stuff. And I always love going to Safeway because I get the gas coupon and I'm cheap. And uh, like, I get the four cents off a liter or, 15 cents, whatever. And for the last couple of times, for whatever reason, this little code that I got to punch in, which is really tiny and I can't see anything these days, but I go there and I meticulously punch in the code to save my four cents after the, uh, I got the gas ready to go and nope, denied, rejected, denied. So I go into the little hut and I have to stand outside with my, I forgot the mask, go back to the truck, get the mask. Put the mask on, stand outside the little booth because there's a, one customer at a time inside. It's freezing. The wind chill is tearing through me. And I'm we're already late to get out of town, so I'm irritated. So um, I finally get in there and I go, here's what's going on. Every last few times I use this, I can't get the code to work. And he says, what does it say? Does it say this? Or does it say that? I said, I don't know. It just doesn't work. It's invalid or whatever. He's going, wow, I don't know. And I said, "Can't you just punch it in? Here's the code thing. Punch it in from this side." And he goes, "No, I can't do it." And I said, "Well, Jesus!" Like, and so I start muttering swears under my breath. And I go, "Time to leave." <laughs> so I, I jet out of there. And also, I'm annoyed at the Safeway gas because it doesn't have the clicker sticker. Yeah. Like that, you know, you click it, and I can go inside and warm up. While you know, who doesn't have that? What kind of inhumane gas station doesn't have that? <laughs> so I jump into the truck, swearing. My wife's on the phone on my my dash phone with the, with her mother. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) let fly with the F bombs. This place is stupid. And then I tear (laughs) out of there. I tear out of there with my sponsored radio station truck piloted by Craig Shannon. It says on the side and like, and I tear (laughs) out of there and she goes, if you're going to be like this, we're not going and uh, everything. And so yeah, there's still flare ups. And a lot of it, I think is this, the COVID crap. My son and I were talking about it. I used to have claustrophobia really bad, yeah. And now it's like the whole planet has claustrophobia. Everybody, you know, it's like the world's closing in. We can't get out. We can't. There's so many restrictions on us as human beings. It's it just subconsciously or consciously, it's hard to take some days.
2: We don't function well as human beings being locked up too long. Doesn't no, work. No, <laughs> we're social
1: animals, right? And some people are introverts and they like their alone time, and so do I. You know, lots of the time mostly for my own family uh, but uh, <laughs> but not nine months of it <laughs> yeah exactly it's it, you guys know what it's like it's just getting old it's getting old and especially for live performers and i mean that's your entire livelihood's and business too like it's just really put a crimp into people's plans and days and emotions and lots more
2: suicide attempts and suicides and domestic you know what? violence you and the radio industry are our entertainment now, more so than ever. I know people rely on tuning in there every day to get that humor, to get the familiarity of who they know. And they're, I, I can see numbers in radio going up more and more and more all the time. The people are gravitating more than they ever did because that's their entertainment and they love it. And you've expanded on that well and kept everybody very well entertained, obviously. And I'm sure you find that, with the listeners' calls and everything, you can sense how much they're getting out of having you there. Yeah,
1: I I think that's very true. And we're, like I said, we don't take it lightly. And and the fact is we can't really have a bad day on the air. Uh, We got serious a couple of different times, and it just leads to no good. Like when we talk about the serious issues, so we just leave it alone and we just go with the comedy and the light comedy, and that's what people want. That's what they need. So that's what we're giving
0: yeah, no matter where you go now, if you turn on any news, any anything, and it's always just you just feel horrible wow. after you've watched a newscast. Wow. There's not like one Fair one nice or one great story. Speaking of the news. Yeah,
1: hang on
0: one second. <laughs> Fire the news.
1: Uh, let me see here. <laughs> I got half a pair of these found and I got a better off in a pine box and then we're good. <laughs> then I got to go. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. There's a, uh, there's a lot of people on the edge out there. That's what I've noticed. And you know, we, we need to be that bright spot in their day. And, and that lots of positive news, lots of infotainment. That is, is, you know, something they can use. we we dubbed uh, the entire month of October as operation happiness oh, yeah. month. So uh, we're focusing on a different charity every single week. And We're giving away free money every morning, hundred bucks. And then we also give another hundred to the charity of your choice. So that's been going great and it feels good and uh, having lots of fun with that. And of course our special projects division is pretty busy. We're handling a lot of missions. The latest is Millet, the town of Millet lost their 60 foot Christmas tree in a bad storm last year. And it's part of their whole CP holiday train food bank drive every year brings the whole community together. So uh, we put that on the air, and we got a lady named Gail who has a 60-foot tree, which fairly rare, we thought, but she has one that she can donate that she has to move from her acreage, and we're trying to connect people and causes, and uh, yeah, it's fun. Right.
0: That's neat. Very good. So over the years, you know, obviously interviewed a lot of people. Is there certain right. interviews uh, back in the day that you were say the most nervous about says oh my gosh i gotta i gotta interview this person and what were the you know a couple of a couple of those that really stand out for you
1: when i first got to toronto my first interview was with restless heart and they were at one of the country clubs for a gig and i did an on camera and i'd never really done anything on camera and it was on camera at the club and they used the footage for other stuff in the news and everything and i was the guy i was the interviewer and I was like losing it. I didn't know what to ask or how to ask. And I was shaking and and everything. But the the guys really treated me well and let me, you know, just stumble through it and get through it. And uh afterwards he said, you know what, man, your style reminds me of Kurt Loader from MTV. And I'm going, Cool. <laughs> I seen Kurt Loader, I didn't know anything. So I I looked him up. Um and we we really just got the internet just at the start of today's country at 93-ish. Yeah. And uh, so I look up this Kurt Loder guy and he was like, no offense, Kurt, but you're not a good looking gentleman. And <laughs> I'm going, mm, I don't know how to feel about this comment now. Uh, but I uh, was really, we we had some pretty spectacular guests on the show. Faith Till, 1994, Faith Till was our first big get and she had just hit number one with Wild One. Yeah. And we had her on the show, and uh, so that was pretty cool. And then the gates started opened up, be, opening up because she used our hothouse band with Peppy Francis and, yeah. oh and Ray Parker and all the, all the guys, all the legends, which was a huge part of our show. And the, the confidence was there, and she knew that it, we had the A-game going on in Toronto. So her and Borman and associates, her whole team and everything, I think they spread the word around Nashville. And things got a lot easier after that. And, uh, my co-host Sharon Edwards, (laughs) she was, um, talent booker for all the big acts. I did all the Indies and she booked all the, uh, all the major acts and stuff. And she finally started having success because she was grinding it out and we couldn't get anybody interested. And we got Craven A as these multi-million-dollar sponsors going, you know, when are you going to give us somebody with marquee value? We hear people. And, uh, so it finally happened in 94 and the floodgates opened. We had Garth Brooks on. Yeah. We had Shania Twain. We flew in the entire Alabama band in, had them on the show. And yeah, it was crazy. It was, uh, and I had no idea how cool it was. I really wish I could go back knowing what I know now to do that show all over again.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and uh, I, I would just, you know, love to have a second crack at that and, Mary Chapin Carpenter made me nervous because all the stuff I read on her. She said the one thing is her name is Mary Chapin. Don't call her Mary. So we go to this studio offsite. It wasn't a live interview; as part of the show, it was a pre-recorded thing that we did at a studio when she came for a showcase gig. And uh, I go, "Hi, Mary. Nice to meet you." And I go right in my mind. They go, "Okay, now I've done it. Now I've done the ultimate faux pas. I might as well just roll with it." And She's Princeton educated. Um, so that's good and I have an Ag diploma from Lakeland. So I'm going this is going to be a hard fought battle for her to have a conversation with me. Anyway, we ended up winning a New York Festival International Radio Award for that interview. Oh. And as soon as I said, you know, how do you, I said when well, you write these incredible songs, and I said, how do you have this much cranial space to be able to have all these I And she just thought cranial space was the funniest thing she ever heard. And after she started (laughs) laughing, I'm going, okay, good to go. Let's go get a New York festival award. And that's what happened.
2: Tell us about working at an AM radio station in a metropolitan city like Edmonton and having the loyal audience like you do. That's got to be, that's just not heard of.
1: I got out in 2014. I was sick of radio. It was like groundhog's day for me getting out of bed in the middle of the night. I was fighting with my co-host at the time, Tara Lee, we were just like, we won a whole bunch of CCMA awards for personalities of the year. And we're going, what else is there to do? What else is there to accomplish? And we have limited, you know, limited uh, involvement from management as far as mentoring or which way to go next and everything. And so I jumped into a career in fund development at Red Deer College and terrifying, but I tore the bandaid off. I quit radio when my dad died in June of 2014 and took this gig at Red Deer College, which wasn't easy to get, and it was a major gifts officer's was my title. And I learned this whole new career, and I'm so grateful that I got the opportunity. I love the career and its relationship building long term and raising money to move the college forward and give the students a better experience. So then lo and behold, Jackie Ray and I reconnect after bunch of years and she was looking for a new morning person for this legendary radio station and uh so she fired me actually from Big Earl (laughs) the (laughs) the Edmonton station that was right next door so they blew the format up flip formats and they fired a bunch of us and so uh you know that played into my decision I hummed an odd for a while I said do I really want to work for this woman she's extraordinary if anybody knows Jackie Ray like she is a legend she's in the ccma hall of fame and she's a definitely a legend here in edmonton it's done so much for so many and also an incredible mentor because she takes you in the office and air checks you and and you know helps you improve as an entertainer and everything so jackie and i always loved each other and uh you know her hand got forced and it wasn't actually her to pull the pin it was the general manager at the time but uh that set me off on a new journey but anyway Jackie I my wife and I made the decision we're coming back let's do this and then I go well I'm 50 some years old and I'm going back to radio to an AM station OS and I'm going what am I doing this is ridiculous and I got here and I was so nervous to do it I, I thought you know what it's like riding a bike but for me it wasn't I my timing was off I didn't have any confidence in fact for about a 9 month period I got stage fright and I was terrified every time I cracked the mic after huh. you know whatever 28 years 30 years of doing this so it's terrifying but the listeners were so patient and everything and you it's like you're welcomed into a family this is a family and they hang on every word if you make a mistake they're on the phone or on the text line correcting you instantaneously <laughs> <laughs> and I never let facts get in the way of a good story. So they're on me a lot. And, uh, it just, there is, it's a unique unicorn of radio stations. I think it's, you could only compare it to a WSM in Nashville or, uh, you know, one of Chicago's original stations because it's been playing country music. It's the longest running country music station in the nation. And our listeners, we have some city listeners. We have a ton of rural listeners And they all have multiple radios. You want to hear a story? A couple of weeks ago, Jackie gets a communique from a listener, and they're putting her mom to rest. And her mom won a car from CFCW on the calendar contest years ago. Huge fan before that, super huge after that. Every radio in the house tuned to CFCW. She had one particular radio she loved that was always with her, a small little transistor. They buried the radio with her. With it turned on to CFCW. So Stella and I, you know, when we're, if you go to this graveyard, you might hear something coming out of the ground that <laughs> <the>, we're <laughs> live at the graveyard because that's how much this radio station meant to this woman and her family. Like, how wow. crazy is that? Yeah. Wow. That's so awesome. it's, it's, it's a general store variety show of a radio station. Like, there is, and the weekend guy. Nick Golka is just as important as the morning people or the afternoon guy or whatever. They love how we all interact together and we all make fun of each other. And it's like, we used to have to work on doing those cross promotions. Oh, let's talk about the midday person. It was all this forced program stuff. No, it's not like that here. We just work each other over the coals whenever we get the opportunity. Jackie probably takes the brunt of it because she
2: deserves it but uh <laughs> well, I've never yeah. seen anything like it anywhere in North America or anywhere yep. never seen the the family approach and the and the longevity and the just as you say I mean it's like you are the family it's exactly what it is and mama bear protects the brand fiercely if it doesn't
1: if it doesn't fit what we do it's not going on the air it doesn't matter how much money you're paying as far as sponsorship and and that being said, we can take anybody's business and make hay with it. We can have fun. And if you want to partner with CFCW, you're going to get your money's worth because once you're a paying customer, we can ad lib ad nauseum and we can welcome you to the family too. And some of our advertisers have been with us for 40 years. You know, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: How much of a change was it when satellite radio came into the picture several years ago? Did you see a big change? Um, in the market, and how did it affect uh, where you were at the time?
1: Well, you know, it's always sexy when something new comes out, and you go, "Oh, they're going to own everything. It's going to be amazing." And I, I applied to XM for to be uh, to get my own show on there, and never even got a reply back. And I'm sure I'm one of hundreds, maybe not, but I hope so. That's what I, how I cry myself to sleep at night. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, you know, satellite sexy. they got the money, they got the studios, they got, you know, they're located in the major centers, So they get the big guests through and everything and you go, well, oh, they're going to kill us. This is it. This is over. No. It, if you hyperlocal is, is the phrase that always gets pushed around on radio and everything. If you're just common sense and you actually care about where you live and you care about the people that are listening to you, yeah, business takes care of itself. Right. And, Could we use more sponsors? Sure. We're in a pandemic and uh, Stingray, the parent company, did an amazing thing. They did a stimulus program across the nation and they offered existing businesses and new businesses free advertising for a select amount of time to help them through the pandemic or to launch their business or whatever. And I'm telling you, the goodwill that was created through that endeavor, there's there's no price tag you can put on it. And it made our station sound great too, because all of a sudden we got these all new businesses talking about their businesses on the air as part of our programming. And, uh, yeah, I think if you're a smart radio company, you'll figure your way through all of this. And (laughs) satellite, satellite's always been a thorn in my side to be honest, because I used to, I launched my own show called the world famous big top 20 countdown. And, because of when I had to produce it and I really had no staff or anything, I had to make it an album countdown instead of a singles countdown because I, I would never be able to wait for the chart
0: yeah.
1: every week to produce it because back then you had to send out a syndicated show on a satellite network. So we half the affiliates took the thing on CDs that I burned and, and we mailed out through my partner's office here in Edmonton and that was when I was in Calgary doing the CMT uh, request line show for a couple of years. And then I moved to Kamloops well, the show didn't get renewed on CMTs so we were moving again. So I had to move to BC to Kelowna and then to Kamloops. And I did the show from there and I had to produce the sync spot digital audio post in Calgary. And then they had to burn it to CD, send it out to all the affiliates or some only would take it on satellite back in the day. And then, we finally, after about year four and a half, going into the fifth and final year, we got them warmed up to the HTP downloads uh, and, and stuff. So we, we had the show going out in three different forms. It was a nightmare, a nightmare. So fun to do, loved it, got paid nothing for years and finally kind of had a falling out with my Edmonton based partner. We parted ways and Therese and I took on the debt that was outstanding. And I negotiated a deal. I was in Camloops doing the morning show at B100 at the time. And uh, I kept reading the Globe and Mail. And I saw, you know, the Strauss Herb supplement company based out of Camloops, old world, old school company, was under fire from these major pharmaceutical companies for their packaging wasn't right. And they were, the government was in their business and everything. And I'm going, these guys need some positive PR. And I have a two-hour weekly infomercial. So... I'll go and meet with the guy. So I asked for a meeting with the, with the oldest son. It was the grandpa, the son, and the other son, or whatever that owned it. And we sat on a restaurant, and I cut a sixty thousand dollars sponsorship deal for a year with the Strauss Herb Company. And so I was able to pay off a lots of what we owed the creditors, and actually pay myself for producing this show after doing it for four and a half years for nothing. Wow. And It was uh, victorious, but then Strauss Herb found curling and they went to television and sponsored the the roar of the rings and all that jazz. But I had them for a year, $60,000, boys. It can be done.
0: (laughs) 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 So we haven't really chatted much about your move to CMT uh, when you did the show there. What was that experience like uh, working with CMT?
1: Well, I was in at Craven A Today's Country in Toronto and I had seen that uh, NCN was what had started the new country network on television. It was owned by Ralco Communications who owned our flagship affiliate for Today's Country, KISS FM in Toronto. And I saw that Shaw was buying CMT. It was owned by Shaw at the time and changed the chorus after that or whatever. Shaw split off. But I thought, okay, I got, I, my spider sense was tingling and I thought, okay, something's going on with today's country. I can feel it. I read the Globe and Mail and I sound like a, this, you know, very educated individual who reads the Globe and Mail all the time. I just love newspapers because I grew up next to dad reading the Saskatoon Star Phoenix. He, he'd have the business section. I'd have the entertainment section and everything. I always loved newspaper. And so I'm reading in the Globe and Mail and I see that tobacco's under fire and and specifically advertising, yada, yada, yada. And that's why today's country was such a unique vehicle is because it had to be a live event to be sponsored by a cigarette company. So we had a 250-seat studio audience, and you had to win your way in through Kiss FM in Toronto to get in on the show. Had to be a live event. And so I see, oh boy, here we go. So I start, Casey Clark had just got made the music director of cmt in calgary so i phoned up casey cold i'd never met him before and i said case my name's greg blah blah, blah. do the show he goes oh yeah man i heard the show and i said i've never done tv before but i think in my gut i think i could do it and i i want to be a part of this if there's anything for me and he goes oh well that's cool man we're going to be doing auditions for different things coming up and i'll let you know i'll give you the heads up so you're first in and everything i'm going okay good and then flash ahead about a couple of months and I'm sick as a dog. Like I can barely function. And I got to fly to Nashville with a film crew to record Terry Clark in her kitchen at her house for these uh, CCMA profiles that aired on the award show every year. Cause that was part of the Craven A deal too, is they leveraged our way onto the CCMA awards, So I got to be a big deal presenter guy with Sharon and we'd go on the show and look down and the Carl and Michelle Wright and, all of our Charlie Major, all our luminaries are sitting right there in the front row. And I'm going, oh my God, that was, that was daunting. Yeah. But anyway, so we go to Terry Clark and then I, I, right before we leave, I call Casey and I go, I haven't heard anything about it. He's going, oh man, I am so sorry. I didn't let you know <clears throat> this thing. Hang on one second. I might yeah. be running out of power here, boys. And you know what? I don't have an extension cord that long. <laughs> That's all
2: right. <laughs> Same problem
1: myself. There <laughs> <laughs> anyway, We go. are changing, changing the life. Yeah, exactly. I, I just lost, I had a blow up in crotch of my jeans today. And, and I went on, the uh, listener said, Well, there's this place that sells uh, jeans or uh, repairs jeans. So you can get it done there where I get mine done. And I, I looked on the price list and uh, a crotch blowout is between 35 and $60. And I said, well, I'd definitely be on the low end. So that's <laughs> the good thing." <one. laughs>
2: Get it fixed up. <laughs> anyway, okay. So
1: the lighting, lighting is you? not that good. <laughs> Lighting's not that good now, so I'll use this <laughs> no, for uh, <laughs> that it's Okay. So perfect. anyway, I call up Casey before he go to Nashville and he goes, yeah, no, the audition's he goes, uh, Yeah, I'm sorry, brother. I forgot to tell you or whatever. Go, what do you mean, forgot to tell me? And he goes, Yeah, they've auditioned for everything. I don't know if there's anything left. And so I go, Okay, well, I'm going to send you a tape anyway. So I fly to Nashville and I con the film crew into doing a stand up with me in front of the Country Music Hall of Fame. After, So we go do the Terry Clark thing. It's 4,000 degrees. I'm sick. I'm sweating. And I'm sweating more than Woody Bowles, and you know that's a lot of sweat. <laughs> and so I get this thing that and we race. I got just enough time to get to the, do the two-minute stand-up. And they film me. and go, I'm Greg Sham from the country. Itself, hey, and this is where all the legends are and everything. And, oh, on CMT. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just trying to fake something. And back in the day, it was all beta. Yeah. So this was on a beta tape. And my buddy Terry Bumgarner was a reporter for TNN Country News back then. And he said, well, there's a dubbing facility, you know, on this block. So I do the run down the street in the 30 plus degree weather, take this tape in, put it in a FedEx, or they dub it over to a VHS, they put it in a FedEx envelope, I scribble the CMT address, send it out, and we race to the airport to get back to Toronto. Next morning, I call CMT and I talk to Ted Kennedy, who was the boss there at the time. And... He said, yeah, I got the tape. He goes, I got a few concerns. I go, I know you got a few concerns. It's freaking horrible. It's terrible. I said, but if I can get in front of you, I know I can be a, he goes, well, we're all done uh, auditions and we're not, we don't have a budget to find anybody in or whatever. And I go, I'll buy my own ticket. I'll be there tomorrow morning. And he goes, no, don't do that. And I said, nope, I'm going to do it. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) So I spent like a thousand bucks on a plane ticket to get from, it was like last second thing. And I go there, and he put me through the paces for the CMT beat, which was a news top of a top and the bottom of the hour. They did a, like a country music news at that time. Yeah. And uh, he said, "You know, Ted, he was a classic. I love Ted." And he'd like rub his face and go, "You know, maybe could you stay overnight? Because I got something else in mind for you." Um, stuff, and I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll stay overnight. Whatever." So I stay at my buddy Brian's place, who got me sucked into the whole entertainment business anyway and next day I come back and I audition for this request line show and I end up getting this gig I'm going this is great so now we got something to to plan ahead for my family and then I see what they're gonna pay (laughs) (laughs)
2: like
1: less than half of what I was making in Toronto less than half so I and we had to move ourselves too no moving So, And we already had two children, two girls at this point. So we moved to Calgary, and it's a long, long story. But anyway, the glamour and sexiness of TV, we made it look awesome. But it it wasn't always that awesome. And because CMT being purchased by Shaw was such an afterthought, we were in Shaw Court in downtown Calgary, which was a show place, and they had the cable networks based out of there with the – they called it the fishbowl, so it was a fully – floor-to-ceiling, glass-enclosed uh, control room, master control, just very impressive, huge high-ceiling lobby with all the offices and the elevators uh, visible, and then right to the right was this little reception desk, CMT, so that was us, and we had all these offices, and Julie Shaw loved to make everything really aesthetically pleasing but non-functional, so there was, like, everything was curves, there you know, nobody had a desk in against the wall, it was a curve situation. Yeah. And right across from where the reception desk was, was this little alcove. And there was a curtain there. And every day we would pull the curtain and put a sign on the easel with my face going, "shh, quiet, please, we're taping. And our studio was basically the lobby of Shaw Court with a curtain. Like, that was it. And we, our slogan was bringing the country together one video at a time. And we had, we took calls. So basically we taped the day ahead on Monday, we'd be taping for Tuesday show. So it was all pre done and we would flash the number, the one 800 number and Janine, our part-time call screener would be in the booth and she'd say, it's Debbie from Newfoundland's on the phone. She wants to hear Garth or whatever. And we'd ask Janine, can you get a little information so we can do a bit? And it was Ned Demich was the cameraman and Ned lied on his resume to get the job on a national network. Uh, he said he was a proficient cameraman, made up all these places. The only time he'd ever done camera was at his uh, high school TV station in Waitasco, Alberta, <laughs> and uh, like about 20 years before that. And my producer, Jason Dolville is one of the hit writers in Hollywood right now. He's like the Cobra Kai on Netflix and uh, you know, Brock Meyer, and you name it. The guy is the unicorn on CBS right now. He's either the showrunner or, or one of the head writers. He's just an extraordinary talent, but he was pretty iffy as a producer. <laughs> 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 so we really had a skeleton ragtag crew. And Jason, he was funny as heck, and he's a stand up comedian. His brother Ryan Belleville has been a stand up of the year in Canada, and he's on uh, CBC's show Moms, uh, Working Moms, <laughs> right now, Ryan. and it, Anyway, so we would brainstorm bits, just little comedy sketches that we, we would do when people called in for their request, and uh, it was awesome. It was fun, but we got paid zero dollars and zero cents. It was not <laughs> not very lucrative. Yeah, so two years, two years, two years, and then so my wife and I, after two years ago, oh uh, honey, uh, we have to move to uh, to BC now because <laughs> there's no jobs for Greggy. Greggy's a unique talent who. Uh, and I'd never done a morning show at that point. So I got my first morning show in Kelowna, second in Camloops, in and then I got the Big Earl experience, then fired, then Red Deer for seven years, and then Red Deer College, and then here for the last three years. Wow. So,
0: so you've yeah. been around. Yeah. Do you ever <laughs> I get around? Do you ever feel settled in a place? Do you, uh, or do you, always feel. You can put that down if you
2: want. What is <laughs> well, that means a good color, though. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, uh, I hope, hopefully I'm not revealing too many uh, secrets here and stuff, but CMT, like, yeah. I mean, if I could have another crack at that, that request line show, I'd love to to reinvent that under a different name, obviously, because it's probably copyright or whatever, but it just was so great to connect with these people. I was like Elvis in the East Coast. Like Moncton and and St. John's Newfoundland and St. John New Brunswick and everything. People loved that show. They really connected with that show and they got a kick out of it. And for some reason they had priority sequence with the calls. Like we'd get like a lot of East Coast calls all the time. Yeah. And uh yeah, it was just—it just had something. It just felt good that show. And one time, I—I I said to Ted Kennedy, I said, uh, "What if we went to Los Angeles with the request line and did a, like a on-location show for the Academy of Country Music Awards?" And he types me back an email. And he says, "Okay, sounds good. Give me a budget." So I go, "What the hell's a budget? How, what do you do with that?" <laughs> <laughs> so. So I type out this thing, whatever the best I know, and I, I schedule it and, and everything. And he stamps it, and he says, yeah, sure, you guys go. So we had to do an ACMA pre-show, an ACMA post-show, two episodes of the request line, and two feature-length interviews in like two and a half days. <laughs> 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 and like it was 120 degrees, and oh, my God, what a mess I got us into. And I scheduled everything. So, one one time we're setting up a beautiful shot in front of Universal, um, the theme park there with the globe. Tour. Yeah. And then the next interview is happening at the Country Star Restaurant. The next one's at blah, 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 this venue. And I scheduled everything like a radio interview. So, I go, okay, from 10 to 10.30, we're doing this interview. And then from 10.45 to 11. <laughs> and it, but I didn't allow for travel, lighting, <laughs> makeup, set design, nothing. So, we were scrambling and it was fun, hilarious so we got we touched down in LA and the second we got a rental vehicle and we pull up on Sunset Boulevard just to stretch our legs and look around the second I get out of the vehicle are you Greg Shannon from CMT I said Ned get the camera get the camera so he's taking the camera out and the camera's the size of a freaking like barbecue at the, they the huge back then so we get this going and uh, yeah, so it turned out that these people came down because they heard we were going to be down there and we're, we do our first bit for the request line show with these people from Canada right next to us.
0: Wow.
1: And then the one other thing was we were entrusted with getting um, a star to announce the winner of the KFC Mother's Day contest. And I said, yeah, I, I think I, I got a connection with Martina McBride through Bruce Allen's office and, and I think I could try anyway and so dick clark productions runs the acms and they're not the easiest people to deal with and we might as well have been from you know whatever nowhere cmt canada held no credence with these people whatsoever anyway we fake our way into this back holding area outside the the where all the actions going on rehearsals are going on and i i we're just kind of like standing in the corner and whatever. And all out of the corner of my eye, Reba McIntyre is walking into rehearsals. And I go, Ned, get the camera, get the camera. So he's like, <laughs> gets, get, don't pre-roll, nothing. And he hits the button. And I had never met Reba before uh, in my life. And she comes by and, and I go, "Hi, Reba. Like this, and she goes, hi, how you doing? Like, and pretend she knows me and shakes my hand right on camera. It was beautiful, beautiful shot. And then I start... I started asking everybody, hey, are you going in there? Yeah, and stuff. Can you find Kim? So she's with uh, Bruce Allen. Tell her that Greg Shanahan is outside and wants to see her, blah, blah, blah. So track down Kim, and I said, Kim, do you think, Martina, there's is a weird last-minute request, but could she announce the winner of our Kentucky Fried Chicken Mother's Day <laughs> 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 and, and Kim came through. We got Martina. She did the whole thing, and they are going, okay, success. It was great, and we got to see her perform at that ACM Awards, so that would have been 19, I'm going to say it was, uh, what year would that have been, 1999, I think, and she blew the lid off of that arena, she said, uh, whatever you say was what she sang, and it was just like, wow, yeah, we got the, we scammed our way in and everything, it was beautiful, it was nice. good trip. Good Fit trip. I forget the original question. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I have no idea either.
1: <laughs> Ask a radio guy to talk about himself. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's uh, half this whole series.
0: I'm running out of hard disk space. <laughs>
1: I've
0: got 10 terabytes. It's almost full.
1: Tip over the studio.
2: Oh, my God.
0: So who... Is there anybody now that you, you wish you could have interviewed that you never had the chance. Um, Anyone in the list there that kind of pops out for you?
1: Yeah. Well, people like Don Williams and uh, like, you know, I missed out on the Don. I almost pulled the pen and went to his last show at the Jubilee and I didn't do it and I'll forever regret that. But I had a pretty good run. I, I would love to have a proper sit down interview show like this with when I was at power 99 in Prince Albert, that was my second radio gig went from country to power 99 and they had an impressive control room. it was PA Saskatchewan, but it looked like New York because the rollinsons that was the home of the Rawlinson brothers. Yep. That was where they started. And, uh, that studio was crazy. You stepped up onto a step in the huge horseshoe board, good lighting and everything. And, and, uh, we used to run rock line at night and it was Bob Coburn in a s- studio in Los Angeles, sitting down with, by stones and van halen and you know all and these interviews were just like you were right there and i just love i always loved radio when it's dark that's why i don't do any i don't like middays, afternoons whatever it's got to be early morning late at night otherwise there's no point to me because that's when the medium has power you know Yeah, yeah, just power so yeah to answer your question i'm sure there's there's many i i never got a chance to do uh interview dolly parton Jackie's interviewed her numerous times and I could never do as good of a job as Jackie. So I'm just going to leave that one alone anyway. Um, acts like, you know, the Eagles and, and stuff like that, but I've had, I've had a pretty good run. So no regrets at all. I've, I got lucky. I, I got lucky lightning struck a bunch of times in my career. So I don't think I would change anything. There was lots of high highs and lots of low lows, but that's the same in anybody's life. I'm sure. Yeah. Whether you're in business or not, you know, Absolutely.
0: Who's in the uh, industry now that you're excited for their careers or anyone you're, you follow oh, yeah. you're excited about uh, there's lots of new, new artists out there now. I mean, it's always new people coming along, but it's gotta be a few that yeah, I that for you.
1: There's a guy named Jade Eagleson who is just, he's got it, man. I just love watching that guy. And uh, we're kind of like buddies on Instagram messaging all the time and he's really funny and, and uh, he's just, I I believe he's got a long career ahead of him for sure. And there's a guy from Southern Alberta named Trevor Panzac, and for us at CFCW, this guy makes the kind of country music that that we can play, and it's well written, and it's coming from a place he knows the audience and everything. And so I get a kick out of Panzac. He's a giant human being. When I first got here, we emceed a Kissel show at the Jubilee, and and Panzac he he brought Panzac out because he loves him too. And he got to sing a couple of songs and and Panzak lifted Kissel up like he was a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So big. big. And just that's his personality too. He's bigger than life and he's just a great guy and and we share some laughs together and those kind of guys and I mean there's there's a lot of talent. I'm very impressed. Kissel, Brian talked to us about Brett on our show and he's absolutely dead on. You're going to find no one in any genre that kills it the way Kissel does on every level. And that's not stopping anytime soon. I, Like I said this morning on the show, if we don't hear some type of uh, revelation from the Kissel camp on a daily basis three to four times, there's something wrong. Someone go check on him. <laughs> yeah. like, he's incredible. Incredible.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's great to see. It's uh, I think the Canadian music industry especially is in a really good spot. I mean, so many great entertainers and they've really stepped it up over the last several years and i well they
1: started to yeah they started to realize what the you know our thing is in music meetings is going look who you're next to on this playlist you're sandwiched between don williams and tim so your level of compete has to be like at least here it should be here but it's got to be here because our sound is we protect our sound and you the song has to be well written if it's not a well-written song and they we that being said, we let a few of those go because there's some feel good kind of acts out there that are laying out. It's fluff, but it's fun fluff and people need to escape for a couple of minutes and just not think. Yeah. It doesn't all have to be deep lyrically, but I am a big fan of, I'm a huge Ron Hines fan. And I actually had the chance to interview Ron on our show. And, uh, I put him through Sharon Edwards. My old co-host. used to do this thing on CBC. So I stole it for the show and, it was called songwriter Sweatshop. So I told him, okay, by the end of our segment on the show, you got to give me a, a song. And so, and I said, the only line you get is a crack in the door. And he wrote this, I still have it in my keeper box because uh, every time I think about Ron Hines, I start to choke up because he's such an extraordinary guy that lived a tortured life, but so much talent. And uh, he, he wrote uh, a crack in the door. Don't let in too much light. And basically it was the context. It was about a a young child being abused. And I was like, this is what he put together in his crazy brain while we were actually doing an interview. And he just jotted it down and had like incredible. So yeah, that's probably one of my most standout interviews was Ron. Hines. not that I did a terrific job on the interview, but he, uh, he was just an extraordinary guy. I thought.
0: Cool. Uh, We'll just wrap up in a couple other questions here. Where do, you sure. see, uh, where do you see you or where do you see the radio business in the next kind of 10, 20
1: years? I think um, content is always – the world's going to need whatever medium it comes out on. The world needs content creators, content purveyors, and uh, we're infotainment specialists, so people need us. Whether it's in this current form, I don't know, but I think I will always be able to hustle some type of gig with this skill set that I've assembled over a number of years. And I, I think radio is in good shape. We need more advertisers, we need more people to free up their budgets and and really listen to our marketing professionals who are now schooled in all digital platforms. And Stingray is a global company that we have that's on the cable in your house with the music channels and we've got acuity, which is, you know, tangible measurement of any internet campaign that you're doing. And there's so many different ways that stingray can help a business. So it's companies like that that diversify to get the message out. But really, if you want a brand thousand dollars a month is going to get you three thirties a day ish hmm. run a schedule. So you're getting different audiences and on a station like CFCW with the TSL, the, your listener is going to hear that your ad three times <laughs> at least two but probably three with our audience which is a rarity our our TSL is huge but um and also I am I mean I'm open to anything I'm open to new experiences and I really love the fun development experience so I'm never closing the door in that career had no idea that it even existed and anybody that's in show business or in sales or whatever has the skill set to be able to work for a post-secondary or a non-for-profit and help them on their journey just by making relationships and being able to say the words, we would like to talk to you about an investment in the college. You know, you can't be afraid to say we want your money because, you know, why pretend? Why beat around the bush? Yeah. (laughs) Is there a lot of uh,
0: young people coming up in the radio industry like there used to be, or is it a little bit more scattered?
1: You know, I think they're still churning them out. But Western Academy, I think because of COVID, there's a smaller class load and stuff. But Don Scott's still turning them out there. And what happened with consolidation and all a few big companies taking over radio, it really shrunk opportunities because a lot of things are voice tracked now. So there's two or three or four personalities voice tracking for legions of stations in smaller markets. Yeah. And it's... The argument is it's higher quality entertainment because these are seasoned professionals that are actually talking on the air, but it robs the, I mean, I never would have got anywhere to where I was. I got fired from an all night show in Saskatoon because it was so horrible. That's how bad, terrible I am at radio. And the only thing that got me better was practicing and having people take a chance on me and let me be behind a microphone. And now there's not as many microphones. There's way more stations than when I started, but way less opportunity because
2: it's all consolidated and it's all voice track. Yeah. You can Consolid. go from one end of the country to the other and you can hear the same thing by the same people, the same music and everything. And I agree with you that the, the local personalities are really missing in the whole industry. It's,
1: it's, well, And I, I would like to see some type of deregulation where we have some of these companies let go of some of these smaller ones that don't make them a, a ton of money anyway. And it's more of a hindrance for the big company portfolio anyway. And let some mom and pops go back and just run lean, but have a great experience for not not just the owners, but for the listeners as well. I, I think it would be better for everyone. And it's my opinion. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah.
0: yeah, that makes sense. Uh, wrap up on one more question. Uh, do you have a, what you call, I'm not sure what you would say, but, someone that you super admire out there as either like a radio personality or a TV personality that say, yeah, this is the guy that, you know, or gal that, that, uh, I really, I've always looked up to.
1: Yeah. Well, I learned a lot from Howard Stern because Howard, they brought him onto satellite for Q107 mornings when I was in Toronto doing today's country in the nineties. Yeah. And, you know, just the way he would play with the audience and lead them down the garden path and slap them and turn them this way. And he just had this, a bigger picture view of what a show was and brilliant, brilliant entertainers. So, and now Howard, of course, has changed his entire approach and he is now the kinder, gentler, softer Howard and getting the big, bigger interviews all the time and everything. So, it just goes to show you even Howard Stern has to evolve to the audience's tastes and likes and needs of the day. So I really admire him for that. And, uh, I mean, a guy like Seacrest is taking over the world. I don't know what deal he made with the devil, but there's, you know, he is unbelievable. now he's like a Regis and Kelly took over for Regis, which is crazy because Regis to me was the, the man, the man, I read all Regis's books yeah. And Larry King, when I was, a, uh, Teresa was in Bonneville. I met her in Bonneville and I was working in St. Paul. And then she moved to UFC to go to, to university right away. So I would do, when I'd have my day and a half off, I would drive all night to Calgary in my little Ford Ranger and listen to Larry King live coming out of the States. And I just, oh my God, that fueled my fire for radio. It was so good. And he'd just have these weird and interesting people on with his incredible voice. And uh, so I, most of the guys I admire are dead. I guess I don't know. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> We're I on the way. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, do, I do without sucking up or anything. I do admire Jackie because Jackie Ray, she is very articulate and very very. I mean, she's old, so she should be by now. Let's be honest. <laughs> but uh, she she is really schooled and and, uh, well-read and she does some incredible interviews. So I look up to her and I I try and change my style so that I can get more into the adult world and not be so juvenile all the time, which is kind of a crutch for me. And now I I try as much as I can to talk about real things like my family without being that guy. I never overexploited my kids on the air or any of that stuff. I used them once in a while for clips and, and throughout the journey and my son Sawyer was basically born on the request line TV show. I had to leave the show in the middle of the show and go, go get him taken care of. But, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I had a really good ride. I'm pretty happy to be here. And you guys having me on, this was huge. I have, haven't been a guest on his show since probably Mike Bullard.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a, that was a ways to go.
0: Yeah. So was well, it was some,
2: yeah, those radio commercials around here still for a car dealership. Oh, <laughs> Mike Fuller does?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. The show when when I did the show it was, it was during CMT, and it, it was pretty professional. It was big time. Uh, they did a really nice job. I was on with Farmer's daughter, yeah. and they kept poking fun at me, so I got more air time than I deserved because I was sitting next to Farmer's daughter. So that was good. Um, <laughs> Nothing wrong with uh, that. <laughs> yeah, we we need another. We need another, like a national kind of talk show guy because I, I thought Strombo did a great job and he, and he reacted to the times and shortened up the show and it was fast paced and really good interviews and still couldn't afford to do that. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know we do.
0: Well, it's it's been an awesome conversation and it's been great having you on and uh, I'm sure everyone's going to have a a great listen to this one. It was a great great uh, interview. Loved having We're you on. Welcome.
1: It, it's like a mini series. It's like Lonesome Dove, or uh, yeah, you gotta take little bite-sized pieces every day.
0: Yeah, gotta hurry up. You gotta hurry up. The six o'clock news is almost starting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's our love on everybody at the station. Yeah.
1: Okay. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great day.
2: Take
1: care. Yeah. care. yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.